You are listening to Aldrin Sampia on SAFM. Let's speak to Professor John Kigan, former research director of the Department of Politics and International Studies at the University of Cambridge. Uh, Professor Kigan is joining us from France. We look at the third meeting of the European political community that is currently underway in Spain. We understand that the EU leaders who are attending this meeting are expected to discuss how to make Europe more resilient, prosperous and uh, geostrategic. And of course, security issues will also be discussed, especially Russia's war in Ukraine. Professor Kiga, good afternoon. Thank you so much for making time for us. Before we move on to the issue around Ukraine, first of all, one of the issues that um, will be discussed is the issue around migration. And we already hear that Poland promises to oppose an EU migrant deal. Yes, that's true. But before before I begin, can I uh, correct you or at least uh, explain one thing? And that is that the European political community that is meeting today in Spain is not just the European Union. It is a a much greater uh, organization than that, in that it extends to 47 countries, whereas the EU is only 27. Mm -hmm. So it includes the UK, for instance. So to come to your your question about um, migration, it is true that one of the things that was pushed onto the agenda at the last minute in the EPC was by Britain and by uh, Italy, and that was to have um, immigration and migration on the agenda. To begin with, the Spanish presidency refused to have that, but it has been put on the agenda now, and so there'll be largest discussions about that. And it is, of course, an extremely important issue at the moment with large amounts of uh, migrants coming into the European Union and to the UK and to other countries outside of the EU. And just before we move on from the immigration conversation, um, do we expect any deal, though, to come out of this, also considering um, the conversation that happened at um, the United Nations General Assembly, uh, the UNICEF report as well, around 11,600 children that um, have crossed the central Mediterranean Sea into Italy? I think that some deal will probably not come out immediately from the EPC, but will be sort of generated, a decision will be generated that will form progressively over the next uh, maybe a year or so. But we have to remember that what is coming up uh, next year is the European Union's uh, elections. And in those elections, it is fairly clear that parties of the right will, an extreme right, will do extremely well. And so many of the centrist parties in government at the, at the present want to ensure that immigration is dealt with in some kind of way that can deflect from the extremist parties coming to power in 2024. Then on to the war in Ukraine. Uh, a major conversation earlier this week was around um, the, f- the financial aid um, to Ukraine, the 500 million euros um, that some of the ministers are proposing. Um, as aid to Ukraine and also the plea that has come now from Zelensky. But Zelensky is also confident around the U.S. support. What do you make of this and what do you think could come out of this conversation? Um, well, the EU is, is, um, is determined to show that it is united behind Ukraine. And um, some of the eastern members of the European Union are extremely worried if there is any backsliding 
on the question of support for Ukraine. And so I think that there will what will come out of the EPC will be a united front. But there is concern, of course, that the EU, which isn't doing very well economically, is not going to be able to produce the money to, to uh, support Ukraine over the next few years. There are talks of large amounts of money being provided, but whether that actually uh, crystallizes is a different issue. And of course, as you've seen in America, uh, cuts have been made to uh, to the Ukraine uh, budget. Um, well, those those have been restored very quickly afterwards. But there is hesitancy in the U.S. as well. And then the discussion around energy. Is this on the agenda because of um, how the war in Ukraine has impacted um, the availability of energy in Europe? Or is it a much broader conversation that also it looks into uh, the question around the trans- transitioning to green energy? Yes, well, you're, both of those. It's, um, um, it, it's, it's an extremely important issue and it's, it's Europe's Europe's weakest point economically. The United States of America has abundant energy. And and because of that, it means that its economy can function at at lower costs. The EU, since the closure of Russian cheap oil and gas, is now an expensive economy. And consequently, the whole of the energy issue is really vital that the Europeans put that right, whether it be the EU or the whole of the continent of Europe, all of which depended to a large extent or to a quite large extent in the case of Britain on Russian oil and gas. That has to be corrected. And we see now that Germany also saying that they're going to mothball some of their cold uh, fire uh, stations because of the cold winter that's ahead. Yes, um, the... Uh, the um, the Germans are intending to do that. The French uh, reopened two uh, coal-fired stations and they're going to close those as well. The European stocks of energy, uh, particularly gas, are very high at the moment. And so it looks like they will be able to ride out the winter. Um, but if there is a particularly hard winter, then Europe could be in a very difficult position. And a number of those coal-fired uh, um, power stations will have to reopen. Thank you so much for your time. That is a Professor John Kigger, who is a former research director of the Department of Politics and International Studies at the University of Cambridge.